America is an amazing country filled with wonderful people who do incredible things. But too often, the media and liberal politicians ignore big parts of our nation and the people who make it work. So I'm speaking with leaders and policymakers who deal with real problems every day. I'm Ronna McDaniel, and this is Real America. Today, I'm going to be speaking with my good friend, Chicago Cubs owner and former RNC Finance Chair, Todd Ricketts. We're going to cover everything from the less attacks on freedom of speech to the 2022 election landscape, and of course, baseball. I'm so excited today to have a really good friend of mine on our podcast, uh, Real America. Welcome, Todd Ricketts. Oh, thanks for having me here. I'm super excited to be here. I'm so excited. This is our new studio. What do you think of it? It's unbelievable. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So we'll get into how you and I know each other because you're just such a great friend of mine. Mm-hmm. I I think you're an amazing person, but you're here for a reason, and I want to share a little bit of your story but let's start with where you grew up and your family. You're from Nebraska. I know. You know, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I'm a, it's, I always say I'm not from Nebraska. It's not where I'm from. It's who I am. Yeah. And because uh, Nebraska has a certain way of of, uh, of thinking. People in Nebraska have a certain way of thinking. And and really, I, I, my story is pretty simple. We, we grew up in Omaha, but my parents grew up in a small town outside of Nebraska, outside of Omaha in Nebraska City. And, you know, my one grandfather was a farmer and my other grandfather was a carpenter. And, and uh, you know, in the 1950s, none, none of them had ever went to college, but more and more kids were going to college. So my parents went to college. My dad was determined to get out of the uh, the small town and go find something else and find new adventures. And and in, in during college, he got a job at uh, a company called Dun & Bradstreet. Okay. And um, so he got interested in the financial services industry. And really, that took him to start his own company, Ameritrade, that he started in 1975. And did he move from Nebraska City to Omaha to do that? We we always he he went to college in Omaha. Both my parents went okay. to college in Omaha. And to, and so, but you grew up in Omaha then. Oh, one hundred percent. And brothers and sisters, all in Omaha, yeah. And what was like life like growing up in Nebraska? We, you know, I, we had a pretty humble upbringing. You know, really, Ameritrade didn't take off as a, as a business until. I was in my late twenties, and so as kids, when my dad had started Ameritrade, he he worked really long days, and I just remember him coming home from work and saying like, "Oh, we did twenty five trades today, or we did fifty trades today." And then, you know, if you fast forward to today, we sold to Schwab a couple of years ago, and now we average six or seven million trades a day. That's amazing. So it's so, the true American dream. It really Your was. Family's the American dream. It is. I, I you know, I. I You've seen me introduce the president a, a few times at, at different functions we've done, and I always start with this story of my grandfather, who was a soybean farmer in Nebraska, would never have been able to imagine me up on this stage introducing the president of the United States. Uh, he just would have been dumbfounded. And really, um, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of this. I love that story, but I have heard you say that. But you're really close with your parents and your family. You're really, really tight unit. <clears throat> What do you respect so much about your mom and your dad? And now as you've grown up, you, you saw what they built. But what, what are the things that the qualities that really uh, you admire most about them? Well, it's, it's, it's pretty simple. My mom, my mom's a, a lover of sports, okay. which like, kind of comes Surprise. out in all of us. Yeah. Surprise. And I always say like she taught us to be intense competitors on the field and kind and compassionate off the field. Uh, and then my dad was all about 
risk and entrepreneurship and compound interest. Those were his things. So like I had this great combination of people who were like, you know, go be competitive and also take risks and think about business and try to be thoughtful and, and, and go to, to be your own successful person. And then you, you've been part of Ameritrade. Explain what Ameritrade does. Explain a little bit about that company. Yeah. And if I can just finish one thought about sure. my parents too, that I think really, really has impacted myself and my siblings, even up until today is my mom would always say like, you can fight as much as you want in the house, but as soon as you leave the house, you remember that you're a family. I love that. I, and I do too. I said that to my kids, but they didn't really fight that much. <laughs> no, your kids are, <laughs> I know your kids. You have such a great family. Your kids are great. I will say you are very competitive. I know you're very competitive. I yeah. know your kids are. I know Sylvia's, but that's a great lesson. You know, keep it in the house. I say that in the Republican Party sometimes. You All know? the time. I, I say, know. you know, we can have differences, but let's not take them on Jerry Springer. Let's keep it in the family because every time we fight each other in public, we're— uh, allowing uh, a headline that should be talking about Joe Biden and the Democrats to be used on us. And that's just not what we want right now as a party. 100%. I'm, I'm amazed how people love reading their name in the paper, even if it's not good for the party or our country. Exactly. And there's so much at stake right now. We don't want it to be anything about Republican inviting. We want to make sure we're exactly. talking about inflation. We're talking about issues that really matter to the American people. And the party that's at the helm right now is the Democrat Party. So, 100%. Um, so Ameritrade, your dad started this company. You've been a big part of it. Explain what Ameritrade does. So Ameritrade, is back in 1975, uh, the, the federal government deregulated uh, brokerage commissions. And so that allowed any brokerage firm to set the price of a commission on a, a stock trade uh, that they wanted. So a lot of companies, maybe, I don't know, maybe two or 300 even, of uh, these discount brokers started up. Okay. And that was in May of 1975. And so everybody's tried getting out there, trying to get their, their accounts. And really what it did is it allowed people to take control of their own financial future. You no longer had to have a stockbroker giving you advice or making trades on your behalf. You could go and do those trades yourself. Okay. And so we, we always, you know, I think Schwab always says it's, it democratizes, uh, uh, the financial markets. And, and I've always said it, it just gives people the ability to take control of their own financial future. And, you know, through the years, you know, consolidation in any, any industry is pretty normal. Mm-hmm. We bought, um, you know, we bought Offhauser in the nineties and we bought Daytech and Waterhouse and Thinkorswim, which was an options trading platform. Um, and so we had a number of acquisitions. And then Scott Trade was the last one we did. And then it really kind of culminated up that until there was just a few companies left. And it was really ourselves, Schwab, and E-Trade. Okay. And I think like the, nat- the last natural merger in this industry was Ameritrade and Schwab, which we just executed on about two years ago. Which I know is a really busy time for you. But that's that's really great that you've taken the the middleman out and allowed people to make their own trades and be the— you know, the stewards of their own money in their future. And I would say even today, like discount brokerage isn't the right name anymore. Okay. It's really, we, at Schwab, and so I, I was on the board of Ameritrade and now I'm on the board of Schwab. Uh, we're, we're really a full spectrum financial services provider. Like if you, you can, can, you can trade for yourself, but you can also get some advice and get a lot of advice if that's how you want to do it. So you can choose, you know, what level of advice you, you want to get. I think that's great, and I and I know personally, you and I have talked about this. I had a friend who worked for Ameritrade who got very sick, and the the company support and just the culture 
that was set forward, I think, is something that would make you and your dad so proud when you see an employee being taken care of that you probably never knew or met because it's such a big organization. Uh, you're not just involved with Ameritrade, and we're going to talk about a bunch of things that you're involved in, but we can't talk about, uh, we can't have this podcast without talking about the Chicago Cubs. That's right. I mean, we <clears throat> love the Cubs. Talk about your family's involvement with the Chicago Cubs and how much you love being involved in baseball. Well, you know, I would just I would go back and, and finish with Ameritrade and say that Ameritrade was always a family business, and uh, the the part that you that really highlighted that is uh, early on, my mom would bake cakes for every single uh, associate's birthday. Did she really? She, she when did, did that stop? What what? How <laughs> stopped at a certain point? That, I want to say that probably stopped around nineteen eighty eight, eighty nine ish. Yeah, when we had too many people. What, what type of cake? Like. My mom is an incredibly talented cake decorator. Really? And she's very creative. And she, like, there was never just a regular layer cake with your name on it. It was always something elaborate and funny. No way. And, uh, and so that lasted maybe for the first 15 years. Okay. And then it, it transitioned out where she'd like make one cake a month for everybody's birthday. Okay. That makes sense. And then by, you know, by 2005, it had turned into like donuts on the first of the month. I want a cake from your mom. I want to see a a Ricketts cake. That's amazing. It's pretty good. What a wonderful tradition. I bet people really appreciated that and made it feel like a family. It really did. And, you know, it it always has. And I I even think today we still have that that little bit of a vibe that we're kind of all in this boat together, even though, you know, the combined entities of of Ameritrade and Schwab have about 30,000 employees. That's 30,000 people. Amazing. 30,000 people. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I know. It, 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 the stat, too, and like this is a little bit off topic, but like the day that Ameritrade went public back in the mid-90s, 54 people who had been working at Ameritrade for you know, most of their careers became millionaires. And I always, I love that because one of them was a woman who was a data entry clerk. Like she came at, like right out of high school in 1976 and she just, Typed all day, entering data, hours on end. Stayed there for a long time, and, and when when we went public, she had participated in the uh, IPO. Yeah, and like yeah, she had gained stock over time and and became a millionaire. I I love the American dream story because yeah. that really is, and I think we all can go back in our roots and talk about our family members that worked hard and then achieved. And and obviously, your dad did that. I know yeah. you've done that as a result of that. Your family has ownership of the Chicago Cubs. What's that like? <laughs> it's just another family business. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that is not another family business. But, you know, we, we, we wanted to diversify our, our, uh, our portfolio a little bit. The Cubs were for sale. We were all sports fans. Uh, my brother Tom really, really wanted to, to uh, buy the Cubs. So we bought the team back in 2010. And uh, it was great. It, it was like kind of taking all the things we'd learned from our parents and in the business world and applying it ourselves. And, and what we did is we got, we bought the team. The team had not won a World Series in over a hundred years. Yep. Uh, it didn't really win that much even during those hundred years. And we just took it like a normal business analysis and kind of broke it down. Like I, I compare it to a full house, like gut renovation. And then just ripped step it down by the step. studs. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> step by, you know, it was like we started off with facilities. We built a new facility down in the Dominican Republic to, uh, help us sign and train young kids uh, down in the Dominican. We built a new spring training facility in Arizona with the help of the city of Mesa. Um, and we re- completely renovated Wrigley. 
over the course Which of four or five seasons. Yeah. It's just gorgeous. It looks just like it did 100 years ago, but every one of those bricks is brand new. It's it's stunning what you've done. And then, of course, you had a team that— Yeah, and we applied that to baseball. We applied that to marketing. We applied it to ticket sales. And and uh, in, in 2016, we won the World Series, which was—it was so great to be able to give that gift to the city of Chicago and, and all the Cubs fans that had been loyal for their entire lives and not having won a World Series. And was that about five years after you took ownership? Yeah, it was a little bit longer. It was like six, yeah, it was six yeah. years after, okay. after we took over. We, it, it took us a year to get our plan in place. To, we had like this five-year plan, but I would say it took us a year to get our five-year plan in place. What was it like to win a World Series? It was unbelievable. Unbelievable. There was my story of that game is actually pretty fun. The the uh the Cleveland Indians had given us a bunch of seats that were separated. There was you know four seats right behind home plate, and then they gave us ten seats right behind the Cubs dugout, and then they gave us a few more seats because we're a family, you know, like I have three siblings, we all have like, spouses kids. and kids. Like yep. we, we tr- we're we're a big troop when we travel together. Uh and then they gave us a bunch of seats that were like in the thirteenth row above the Cubs dugout. And so my brothers and I were like, well, we'll sit in the 13th row and let all the kids sit up front. And, uh, it was the bottom of the, bottom of the eighth inning, standing there with my brother. My brother was just stiff as a board. Really? This is all get out. Tom. Tom, this is Tom, yeah. And I kind of, I kind of touched him in the arm and I said, Hey, I think you can start to relax. It's six three in the bottom of the eighth and, uh, with two outs. I think we got this. And literally 30 seconds later, the Indians hit a home run. Oh, the score no. is tied. And every, like, it, everything seems like it's falling apart. And I'm like, and so I hit him again. I, I always felt pretty good that we were gonna, still going to win that game. Okay. And uh, I wasn't, so I, I wasn't feeling the nerves. And I turned, I'm like, well, we wanted to win in dramatic fashion, <laughs> didn't we? I mean, like six to three would have been so boring. It would have been so boring. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like now we, we need a you dramatic win. You want a win. good win. Yeah. Exactly. And so they came back and yeah, we came back in the tenth inning and won. Yeah, the tenth inning. And so, did you had the family celebrate? Did you guys just were you able to go on the field? Were you able to do that right after, even though you were in an away game? We were. We we had that. We had the the trophy ceremony down in the clubhouse, but it was raining. It was oh, like no. kind of there was a rain delay, which actually kind of saved us uh, because our players were able to get together and and have a little conference and talk and say, hey, we're going to win this game no matter what. Uh, and then it rained again later after the game was over and, um, it kind of turned into chaos a little bit. The, I always would put a Ziploc bag in my pocket before games so that we're going to be decisive because if there's any champagne being sprayed, you don't want your phone to get wet. Okay. Good tip. Good tip. Pro tip there. The, uh, but I had forgotten my Ziploc bag. And so as I was walking into the clubhouse, I handed my wife or my phone to my wife and, over the course of the next couple hours, I just lost everybody. I'm and sure. I didn't have a phone. And then everybody was gone and they'd left, they'd all left a like, progressive field and, and gone somewhere else. And so there I was by myself. It's pouring rain. There's no taxis. I can't call an Uber and I'm about a mile from my hotel. What did you do? I walked. You walked in I, the rain in the pouring after winning rain. the World Series. Yeah, I walked back to the, to the hotel in the pouring rain. And these two guys uh, were walking next to me. And this guy looks over and he goes, are you Todd Ricketts? <laughs> and I said, yes. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, it's a long story. It's a long story. And uh, so we, they were like, well, we're from Chicago. We came to watch the game and this and that. So we chatted. And then we stopped at this pizza place that was still open. I, by some miracle, I kind of 
it was amazing because it was like 1.45 in the morning in my mind. And, and this pizza place was still open and went and got a uh, slice of pizza and a beer. And oh, I love that. That's very funny. you. That's very <laughs> you, though. Because uh, if people don't know you, you love to walk. Yeah. When we oh, go yeah. to New York, you don't take cabs. You like to walk. Um, so I'm going to switch to politics a little okay. bit. Because you're, you're obviously a family that's devoted to this country. You <clears> care <throat> deeply. You've lived the American dream. You love sports, which is— Baseball, the ultimate American pastime. Uh, but you're also heavily invested in politics. Your brother right. was, is governor of Nebraska. Uh, you've been heavily engaged. You were finance chair of the RNC, but beyond that, you've been engaged. Uh, what is it about getting involved in politics that drives you and, and made your family decide to get so interested in that? Well, you know, I, I, I put it this way. And having been, I'm going to start with like having been finance chair. Yeah. And talking to so many people, you know, when you're finance chair, you deal with like the wealthier donors in the Republican Party. And one of the most fun things about doing that is you get to hear their backstory and their, like their story of success in this country. And so many of them have, I always say, I tell my story not because it's the Americans, our story, it's because it's the American story. It is the American story. And everybody has this similar story of success in this country that, that we deal with at the, in the, the finance at uh, RNC. And it's this idea that they understand that there's a system in this country that allows people to work hard and get ahead. And they, they benefited from that. And so they give to the RNC to put, you know, to make sure we have good government, good policies that keep that system intact for the next person like them. It's never selfish. It's never about themselves. They understand they've been successful and that they're wealthy, and they want to keep the system that allowed them to become wealthy intact. And I would say my family got into politics for that exact same reason. You know, we looked around and, and saw our country heading in a direction that, that was not friendly to business, that was not about low taxes or low, low regulation and, and uh, not pro-business. And so we got involved back in 2009, 2010. And I think ending spending, actually, it, if it wasn't, it was one of the very first super PACs created after the Supreme Court um, decision that allowed uh, the super PAC world to kind of pop up. Yep. And so we've been involved since then. And like you said, my brother is the governor of Nebraska, and and uh, we've been supportive of Republican politics. Uh, I know you've been recruited a lot to run for office. You you say no every time, but I know— you. A lot of people have asked you to run for office, and I do want to talk about what you did with the RNC, but I do, I want to talk about something else that you're working on right now that I think is so impactful, mm -hmm. and one of the main reasons I wanted to bring you onto the podcast, because we have seen an unprecedented level of censorship coming yeah. from big tech. I don't know if you saw last week, we just filed an FEC report uh, about a study that was found to show that Google puts about 70% of Republican emails into spam and less than 10% of Democrat emails into spam. This wasn't a partisan study. It was a non-scientific mm -hmm. scientific study done through North Carolina, which, which shows the bias. Um, and you've started a new venture. Can you talk about what yeah. you're doing now uh, on the, on that front? Yeah, so this was a couple of years ago. Uh, I've always been suspicious of uh, search engine results. Yeah. Because I, I, I type in something and I'm like, this isn't the, re the result I expected. I feel like I'm getting information that is left-leaning and biased. And 
I feel like Google is kind of like trying to curate what I see and not just show me everything that I see. Which you're right, by the way. They, which you weren't totally just doing. suspicious. You were right. <clears throat> yeah. yeah, totally right. And and uh, so a couple of years ago, I started this project called freespoke.com. And we started, build, started building a search engine. And the idea uh, was to build a search engine that would not censor information, that would show you all the information so you can make decisions for yourself. And we can now we kind of say we're, you know, we're trying to make search great again. <laughs> like we're trying to make search we're great again. We're trying to again. make search again. So how does it work? How do you go how do you go to freespoke.com? It's, it's just freespoke.com as a website and you go there and there's a search bar just like there is on on Google or Bing or anything or Yahoo. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so you can search for anything and and our crawler is growing every day and we're crawling more and more of the internet, but really this we this wasn't intended to be a search engine for Republicans. It's a, it should be for everybody. Exactly. We, we call like the free folkers who use our our search engine. These are people who just want to find all the information, and so we don't want to censor people. We don't want to try to keep things. And it's really incredible. Even Google and Twitter have statements about not wanting to show information that is counter to the science scientific consensus on climate. And I'm like, well. What is the consensus on climate? And, and, and I'm not like a denier or anything, but, but shouldn't we be able to see all the information that, that, that's out there and yeah. not have, you know, some, ki- some 25 year old kid at Google deciding what Curating. you should see? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's been a big wake up after what we just saw with Twitter in the election yeah. with the Hunter Biden laptop mm-hmm. and what they did to suppress what we now know is relevant, truthful information that they, Absolutely hid and and deplatformed anyone who brought up this credible issue. Yeah. You see someone like Elon Musk coming forward and saying the public square should have free speech, but you are you're ahead of that with free spoke. It just took us a little while to build. I mean, we have a, a fantastic team of engineers working on this right now, and uh, they're all great people. It just it just it's incredibly complicated to build a search engine. Now, that was the kind of surprise to me. I'm like, well, don't you just say like. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's been super hard. So we, we've been working on this for about two years, and we're just now, you know, starting to advertise ourselves and get ourselves out there and to launch try to it. Drive. Exactly. I'm so excited about this yeah. because I am sick and tired of this lack of transparency and these algorithms and these backroom engineers with a political activist bent, yeah. curating what I see in my searches in my newsfeed. I'm capable of determining what I want to see for myself. Put all the information up, and then I'll click on what I'm interested in. Don't isn't that what you think? That's, a, that's exactly why we started. And so, we're, and our app is is going to be in the app store here. Actually, it is it is in the app store now, and and uh, so you can download it as an app, or you can go to the website and start using it for your search. And and uh, yeah, it was, so freespoke.com. That's exactly it. I love it. How'd you come up with the name? You know, there was a few iterations of, of coming up with the name, but. You know, I, we we went through a lot. The, the original name I liked was Freedom Fries, but nobody liked to have food yeah, in the name, so I we switched to that. Free Spoke. Yeah, good, Todd. I'm glad. I, know, I, I, was, I was alone in my, I'm glad in my you love. Didn't do Freedom Fries. I like Free Spoke. That's good. Free and spoke. they're called the Free Folkers. People yeah, who are on it. Are, I yeah, like it. Um, yeah. I like that. It's kind of got a Nebraska feel to it a little bit. Yeah, too. really. And I, and I and I come at it from this point of view. Like I I don't think I I hate the way Google behaves. But I don't want the government to come in and put in regulations about how they curate information and how they show the results. What I want to do is compete. That's the American way, right? The, and I also think be honest about how you're doing yeah. it. If you're transparent, yes, we are putting these algorithms in place and we're 
what what I think is missing a lot is behind the firewall that we're yeah. not seeing how these engineers are determining what you see and how you see it and what rises to the top of your news feed. Is it paid? Do pay, does paid right. advertisement go to the top? Let us know that as consumers, right. and then we can make informed decisions. I'm so excited about yeah, this. You, you don't know how they're curating those results for you, but you, what I do know is they know better than you. They do. Oh, <laughs> yeah, they, they know think. better than me. They want to tell me how to you, think. So they and want to tell you how of to course, think. now we have the Ministry of Truth that's coming, so they may yeah. try and um, tell people not to that's use your exactly your um, engine. So I'm, I'm going to end with how you and I met because okay. I didn't know you when I came on mm -hmm. as RNC chair. We had a situation where we, um, we were looking for a finance chair. I didn't even know who you were. At, I mean, mm -hmm. I knew who you were, but I didn't. I never met you. And I got this call. And you were so gracious to come in and take that role. We worked together for over almost three four years. years. Yeah, yeah over four, four. years. Almost four years. And what made you so willing to take on a job that you're not paid, you're volunteering, and you're willing to call people every day to ask them to support the RNC? Just well, if I, I just want to step back a little bit and like this, just for the record, this is not a paid advertisement, but I'm going to gush on you a little bit. Okay, I don't want you to do that. I like, I came in here and, and you know, I, I looked at you and you're like, here's a woman whose grandfather ran for president, whose uncle ran for president, your mom ran for Senate, so, yep. ran for the Senate, who's been involved in politics her whole life and has this incredible grasp of the entire political system from door knocking grassroots politics in Michigan to being at the highest level of White House politics in our country. And I think that like your background experience is perfect here. And I saw this organization, it, it's run really well. Thank you. And, uh, <clears throat> so I, I like to gush on you and say like, you, you really have been so great for our party. And I, I walk around the building here and I think, gosh, Rana runs this place with all the <clears throat> compassion and caring of a mom from Michigan. Almost all the time, and sometimes with all the cat, and sometimes not. <laughs> yeah, sometimes not. That is true. My, well, I said it a little bit wrong, but yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Sometimes I have to bring down the hammer. Exactly. I mean, there's a, we call it the velvet hammer, but that's exactly it. But it, it, so I was happy to join the team and and be part of this. It felt good raising money for an institution you know was running well. The money was being spent well, and at the end of the day, I'm kind of a people person. You I are. like to call people and talk to them on the phone and. And really, I very rarely actually asked for money directly. It was really more about, you know, finding out what was important to them about, you know, yeah. about our country and in politics and, and kind of having those conversations. In the end, people realize this is where they need to be. And then, um, and well, then I'm going to gush on you a little bit too, just because one, I, you're one of my favorite people I've ever met. And I mean that sincerely. I'm so grateful for what you do for our party and, and the free spoke that you're doing. But, um, I've gotten to know you. We don't get to see each other as much because we're out, oh. you know, we we divide and conquer in these jobs. Um, but now hearing the story about your mom making the cakes, you're that person. He Todd always is thinking about the staff. Hmm. We've got a lot of young, talented, uh, wonderful people who work at the RNC who give so much of their time and their talent to our party and to our country. But Todd is always the one saying, how do we get you lunch or take you for pizza mm -hmm. or what can I do to make sure that you're appreciated in this building? And 
that's a tribute to you. And now I know that it comes from your Nebraska roots. And your yeah, mom. maybe. It maybe does. You may, yeah, you yeah. would be the one baking the cake. I don't think you'd bake a cake. You'd bring like burgers. I can make cakes. I'm not as good as my mom, but I can make cakes. <laughs> you'd bring some burgers. I've been on many chains. You're like, okay, I'm coming into DC. What what does everybody want to eat? But yeah. you're just a, a, a truly, truly good person. And uh, we are lucky to have you as a member of our party. I'd love to see you run for office. Candidly, yeah. you know I would love to see you do that. Never say never. Never say never. But um, beyond that, what you're doing on the tech space and what you've done the past three years at the RNC, you're not finance chair anymore right now, but you're always a merit, finance chair emeritus, yeah. right? Um, I just think you're great. So thank you. If you were going to uh, give one final piece of advice to people well, before listening. Before you go there, can yeah. I, I want to I yeah. take that you're— Yeah, go ahead. And just talk about the— the other part about it is I love talking to people and making phone calls and, and raising money, but it was the team. I know you love they, the team. I love the team. They they kind of took me in and treated me as one of their own. Uh, there was one woman who one day said something about me being her dad. I'm like, I can I could never be your dad because, and she thought for a second, she goes, oh, because we're the same age. We're all 25 years <laughs> we're old. We're all 25. We're all 25 years old, and we work hard. We get the job done, and then we always find a little time for fun. After that, well, I, I think it's interesting that you come from an organization, Ameritrade, trade with the team, mm-hmm. but Cubs with the team, and then here you certainly turned it into a team. That's yeah. a talent and a skill set you have. Um, Ending out, heading into 2022, what are your thoughts about the importance of this election and people getting involved and working hard to change the balance of power here in Washington? Yeah, and I mean, it's every election we say this is the most important election ever. We always ever. say it, right? Always say it, but gosh, but like, look what's going on. By, the so Biden bad. administration, they're just a disaster top to bottom. And, and yeah, I, if I even set aside the Biden administration, it looks like that the void of leadership from President Biden and, and uh, Vice President Harris is, it looks like Elizabeth Warren is kind of running the Democrat Party now. Yeah. And she is, she's their voice. She's their leader. And mostly because she's the only one that can put together a coherent sentence. Yeah. But uh, just because it's a coherent sentence doesn't mean that the content isn't troubling. And I mean, this is the year we need to all be involved and make sure everybody comes out and, and supports our candidates. We have a lot of, a lot of contested primaries still going on and really tough primaries, tough primaries with great candidates. But the most important thing is that we get united behind whoever comes out of the primaries and make sure that we win in, in 22. I love but, that you said that because you yeah. know how to field a winning team. Yeah. But I think there's a Toddism that you spoke earlier or a ricketsism, which is if we're having problems inside yeah. the house, let's keep it in the family and on the field. Yeah. We need to remember who we're trying to beat. And right now, we're fighting to save our country. So that's right. That's what it's all about. Well, thank you, Todd. Uh, No, thanks for having me. For being on my podcast. Yeah, yeah. Let's do it more. Let's do it again. Okay. (laughs) I'm Rhonda McDaniel, and this is what Republicans stand for. Join us next time on Real America. Paid for by the Republican National Committee, not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee. www.gop.com.